0: I'm getting pretty sick and tired of the Royals waiting for the market to come to them. I'm going to tell you why it bugs me next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson. And you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And we're now live on Instagram and TikTok. Just be sure to follow us. Locked underscore on underscore royals. Again, that's locked underscore on underscore royals. So we can start building up. Uh, that following over on those two accounts. But on Twitter, very easy to find me again at Johnny J underscore 15. You can always find these podcasts and wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. We're getting closer to 600 subscribers, but our goal is to get to 400 more before opening day 2024, We can be at 1,000 to kick off the 2024 regular season. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It's crossover season. We got college basketball tonight. You've got some of the Thanksgiving tournaments coming up. NBA is in full swing. The NFL, of course, is right around the corner tonight. Thursday night, football, Bengals and Ravens, but also this weekend, college football on Saturday. It's jam-packed, so go to FanDuel right now, create that account, and start making some bets today. And if you just want to tune in for the first time, if this is your first ever episode, well, I should Probably give you some of my background as to who I am. Of course, my name is Jack Johnson, but I work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a show once a week on 810, also a morning show Monday through Friday on ESPN Kansas City. So, you ever want to get my thoughts on things that may not always pertain to the Kansas City Worlds, so you can check me out over there as I will be talking NFL, college, NBA, you know, pretty much anything. It can be baseball during baseball season, but when you click on this podcast, when you come to listen or watch, know that you are getting 30 straight minutes of Royals baseball. And today is going to be a little bit more of a passionate podcast, I guess I could say. Um, Of course, from time to time, we're going to get these passionate type of podcasts where things may make me really excited, really pumped up for the season. And there's going to be things that make me uh, upset or disappointed. And I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to vent a lot of the frustration That Royals fans experience, not just this offseason, but I would say in general, because this is a team that we've seen reach the pinnacle before. We have seen these Kansas City Royals win a World Series. If you're watching right now, listening right now, I'm assuming you were uh, fully aware of what was going on. Maybe you're a younger listener and you don't really remember the 2015 team, but I know for a lot of you that are listening, you remember that. You have seen them reached the mountaintop before in fact in back-to-back years you saw them get to the mountaintop so you know it's possible it's all about adapting though and the way the royals built their team back in the mid-2010s is not going to be a successful model for this day and age and the royals tried to recreate that model in 2018 19 20 didn't really work but i can tell that jj Bacolo in the front office are trying to go about things in a different way and i thought it was great that it was brought up on twitter so i, I need to give credit here too this first segment is more so dedicated dedicated to what I saw from Preston Farr on Twitter, Royals Miners, also the guys over at Royals Weekly. They do a fantastic job, but more so having this gripe, this frustration with the Royals and their offseason approach. And it's been this way for so long. They are not the aggressor. And I know a lot of teams right now are kind of waiting back a little bit. Uh, we haven't seen any big-time signings just yet. We haven't seen any big-time trades. That'll probably happen closer to the Rule 5 draft and the winter meetings. But I want to go out there and say the Royals can't be that team that sit back. They can't be that team that's quiet and see how the market falls. When you are the non-big spender, when you are more often than not the runt of the litter, you have to get creative. You have to find different ways to build a roster without just sitting back and waiting around. You have to be the aggressor. You have to be assertive. You have to put yourself in line to get things done. And we are going to see the same exact model and same exact team if that method is the approach of, well, we need to see how this market falls, if that guy gets cheaper. If the Royals want to get the support back from the fan base, if they want to be in on a lot of these guys, you have to be the first. You have to be the one that engages in those communications, in those talks, that can start sparking some things. Now, we know the Royals uh, last week or two weeks ago were interested in Mark Canna, were in trade talks for him. So I believe they're trying. But I'm also not going to give my, my roses, my flowers to the almost, the almost maybes, the, the shoulda, coulda, what I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you praise for who you actually get, the player you get, how much you're willing to spend and the sitting-on-your-hands approach is not what I'm going to support. I'm not going to support it if the Royals' first free agent acquisition is in late December. You need to be active even before the winter meetings. You And maybe they are. Maybe it's behind closed doors. Maybe that there is a lot going on that we don't know about. But on the surface... The lack of talks, the lack of players that are rumored to have teams interested, the Royals are almost never one of those teams. And it's not just this year. That's what I'm getting at here. It's been many years in the past. The Royals are not the aggressor. They try to wait and see. And if a guy becomes available for a right price, they go out and get him. But it's not always going to be who the fans want. I mean, last year, I'm sure they were... Interested in Jordan Wiles early on, then waited a little bit longer till he got cheaper. It wasn't that cheap of a contract, but I would say that's the model they go after. They want guys to become available and easily accessible to them. And the, the change I want to see in the front office is not waiting back, not being this front office that is content with getting the seconds and the thirds. I don't want to see the rejects. Always be the players the Royals are bringing in. I don't always want to see the bounce back candidates. When was the last time the Royals acquired somebody, traded for somebody, free agent acquisition of somebody that was coming off a good year? Think about it. The last time I remember them being very active was 2021. They signed Carlos Santana in December, they traded for Andrew Benintendi, they signed Mike Minor all 3 of those guys were coming off bad years it was the covid year it was weird the market fell in a different way this is how you build a roster okay you pick your guys and i'm not a genius in saying this it's very simple you pick the guys you want to build around and then you should be aggressive and okay you need starting pitching go out there and get you starting pitching that's worth your money you don't need to wait till somebody becomes five million dollars cheaper eight million dollars cheaper every day the royals wait the further back they get in line if you want to get creative if you want to be competitive if you want to make strides that's what it has to be about you have to be the the team that stands out you don't have the shiny brand like the yankees you don't have the shiny brand like the dodgers like the red sox you don't have that, not like the Phillies, not like the Braves now. You can't beat out those teams. And I'm not saying they need to be in on Shohei Otani. I'm not saying they need to be in on Josh Hader. I'm not saying they need to be in even on Aaron Nola. He's affordable. But you need to be transactional. I don't want to hear that things are different, we do things differently, we need to replenish this, this, and this. And not do anything about it until the end of December. Now, I know we're only mid-November. And like I said, maybe talks are happening behind the scenes and they are being aggressive. And a lot of that is going to pick up at the the winter meetings here in a couple of weeks, just under a month. You're going to see more movement. But there are guys available right now. You could start engaging it. You could start going after and Maybe the Royals are interested. Again, this is all... Assuming, based off what I've seen the last couple of years, and beyond that, even when the Royals were winning, they were not an aggressor in free agency. That's the the ideology. That's the method I want to change under JJ Piccolo. You can't waste good years of young players by saying, "Well, we're not ready to spend. We, we're two years away from spending." That's kind of the old model. You can compete right now in a weak division. If you were the aggressor, you were transactional, and you went after the right fits. I'm hoping they go after high OBP guys. J.J. McCullough said that was a, a big-time priority for them. We had a very low OBP team number last year looking for high OBP guys. Want to replenish the bullpen? Want to go get some depth of rotation? That needs to start happening now. Every day that passes is a wasted opportunity for the Kansas City Royals. All right, the next thing we're going to dive into is, is the stadium talks. Now there's another site that has popped up. Is it something that interests me? Is it something that should interest you? If it does, if it doesn't, I still want to go over the fact that this has just become a big-time headache. We'll dive into that next on Locked On Royals. You are tuning into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter, at J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. One five. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today in FanDuel. And with it being crossover season, football season, basketball season, the time is perfect to go and create your account for FanDuel. And at with the NFL season in full swing, you can go right now, and new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. This is going to be part two, if you will. Part two of this Passionate type of podcast, you know, venting a little bit, uh, going over my frustrations about this team. And if you've listened to me before, you would know that I try to make it positive more often than not because I think anybody can go talk negative about a 106 loss team, a team that's not very active in free agency, a team that is going to be picking top five in the Major League Baseball draft. I'll try to spin things into a positive most of the time. And one thing I feel like I've tried to spin into a positive more often than not is the stadium talks that no matter what the Royals do, no matter how they announce it, no matter uh, what discussions go on, the fan base is going to be irritated hearing about it because you didn't win many games. And John Sherman, you know, buying the team a couple years back, I guess we're coming up on year five now that'd be the end of next year, actually. So we're just now to year four from buying the team. You kind of felt like something was going to change when a guy comes in a lifelong Royals fan, wants to make the team better, you have a lot of money, what are you going to do differently? And I think a lot of people looked at it as, okay, great. Now the Royals are going to spend. Now they're going to be more aggressive. And we haven't really seen a big time change. Not with ownership, I would say. The only difference is the downtown stadium talks. Where is this team going to move to if they ever do? And I do see the positives of moving a stadium downtown. I think there's a lot of you know difficult things to discuss and and things that are very confusing to discuss, but I do see the upside, just from a, a blanket statement here. I do see the upside of moving downtown. There's a lot to do down there. And the new site that now the Royals are discussing uh, makes sense in terms of you know the the train cars. You have you know power and light right down there, the T-Mobile Center. It's in the hub of everything. I mean, I lived downtown not too long ago, and there's so much to do. If you're in Kansas City, if you've never been, it's awesome down in the Power and Light District. One light and two light. There's a lot to do. And that is going to bring you in fans that typically don't drive out to the K now and go watch a baseball team. They've got no interest in Because think about it. If you put that stadium downtown and you have a couple of buddies and maybe one or two of them are baseball fans, uh, maybe none of them are baseball fans. What's the incentive right now to go out to Kauffman Stadium if the team's not good? Tailgating, okay. You got to get off work early enough. You got to go out there, park, set up the grill, get everything, get the supplies, and hopefully get out there in time to enjoy a good tailgate. Certainly uh, an appeasing thing. What happens if the game gets out of control? You have to leave it, it, unless you want to stay all the way through. Maybe go walk around the the plaza area. You could do that out in the outfield. But once you get through one swoop, maybe it's because I've been there over 400 times in my life, probably even more than that. I've been there so many times, I've seen what I need to see. I want to get another beer, want to get some more food, I'll do that. The game's out of control. I don't want to stick around for a 12 to nothing game. That doesn't interest me. And so that's where it brings in a different element. If the stadium's downtown, game's out of control, okay, go spend some more money right outside the stadium. Go to a ballpark district if there's going to be one, a ballpark, ballpark village. There are opportunities there. And so I do see the upside. But again, when that is your goal and you're trying to figure out where you could place your stadium, it's been not necessarily the lies, but the follow through hasn't been consistent, which to me is why this is such a big headache. This is a headache to me because we just want an answer, right? I think a lot of people at this point, whether you're for it or you're against it, you want an answer. Stop telling us, It's going to be this date. It's going to be by the end of this month. We want to make sure everything's in line by the time you vote next spring. All of these things. It makes you rip your hair out because the focus should be, let's put money into the baseball team. Let's try to make this team more competitive. And this was pointed out to me on Twitter a long time ago. The people that are voting are not going to be, the, the the me's of the world, the, the diehard baseball fan. I mean, certainly you go and vote. I, I always advocate for going and voting, but there's a lot of people that just won't care to go vote. And for those saying, well, you know, nobody's going to vote for this. Well, there's going to be people that will or will not, but they're not always going to be diehard baseball fans. It's going to be what financially makes sense. So for the baseball fan, the average baseball fan, this has become so frustrating because we're talking about this in a time period when we should be talking about how do we make the team better? And I've always said this about the stadium talks. The stadium talks are important. They really are. And they're not moving into a stadium next year, right? The goal is to be, you have a stadium a deadline set up when the lease is up, when you eventually move, the team is competitive and good by that point. So you don't even have to worry about filling seats. So they're still trying to make this team better. At least we think they've got some sort of plan. And these just happen to be at the same point in time where – you're talking about the stadium, and it does need to be talked about. That's the thing. But what frustrates a lot of people, what gets you not believing in this process, is when you set these deadlines, these dates, and then it's well, never mind. We got to go past that. And the reason, even though I wasn't against the the location, this third location for the stadium, the reason it makes me upset is that you had to, you had renderings for a stadium and both locations, and then it's. Well, now they're discussing a third option. It feels like they're nowhere close to a decision. And that's what's frustrating about this. And the longer this drags out, the more confusing this gets. The lack of support really starts to play a factor. I mean, right now, as a Royals fan, I think I could go up to everybody that is entrenched in this team. Maybe they're a listener. Maybe they're not. But if I went up to a Royals fan, and said, what do you think of the ownership? Now, there there would not be a lot of positives right now. Because the unfortunate thing is, since John Sherman's taken over, the team hasn't been good. And this stadium talk has been the biggest thing on his legacy so far. And that's not what you want. You want the legacy to be putting in money to a team that's going to spend it, and they're going to win a lot of games. That's the legacy you want. Hell, look at the Texas Rangers. I know it's a more of a bigger market ball club being in Arlington, brand new stadium. And again, that factors in what the Royals are trying to do. But I think for the average baseball fan, they're not going to care about something that's five to 10 years away or three to five years away. You, that's not on your mind. And it's the same thing with the baseball team. Why should we care about the 2028 Royals right now? No, you, you don't care about that. You care about the 2024 Royals. Which is why, in a time period like this, yes, it has to be talked about, but stop giving me the statements and these updates that don't give me anything. Uh, they, They don't really move the needle for me. Because in this type of conversation, I either want clarity, clear clearness in the message, an answer, just something. If you're gonna give a message, I don't need to know how diligent the process is. I don't need to know how many different ideas you were considering. I don't need that. I don't. I don't need these updates of, well, they're trying this. Give me an answer. When you get this statement, just give me the answer. The focus right now should be this team, investing in this team. I know the stadium talks are inevitable. But if anybody's with me, let me know in the comments on YouTube. Let me know on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at JohnnyJannerScore15 on Twitter. Uh, both t- Instagram and TikTok, locked underscore on underscore Royals. Comment there. Because my big thing is, if you don't have a solution, don't say anything. I know people are asking for updates, but you got to know these updates that you're giving aren't giving anybody peace, aren't going to get anybody on board. I mean, like, I saw a couple of fans excited about the location, and it's all fine in dandy. I think it's a great location. Is that going to be the decision? Are we moving in that direction? Are we going to get that answer? That's where I am on these big, long updates and messages. Unless you've got an answer, a place picked, a site picked, I do not need to hear about it. And I, I think it's the best for the Royals and ownership. Unless you've got an answer and a place picked out and what the stadium is going to look like, I don't think the fans are going to care about it right now. I know the vote's coming up. It's very important, but – these meaningless updates just make you pull your hair out even more so. But again, just let me know if you agree, disagree, want to rip my head off about it or join join forces with me about it. You can always comment on multiple platforms, the Locked On Podcast Network, and more specifically, Locked On Royals. Before we go to break and wrap up with who we think is going to be next off the 40-man roster, we want to dive into something we are very proud of on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that's that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On Plus, our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. We're very excited about it, and you guys should go and absolutely check it out right after finishing up this podcast today. When we return, we're going to talk about who is the next player or players off the 40-man roster. I'll tell you next on Locked On Royals. You are tuning to Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, and you can always follow me on Twitter at underscore 15 That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J-1-5. And we're live on TikTok and Instagram. Follow us, Royals for our content that we post daily. Over there. I have been getting a few questions for this and I'll probably have to answer them in tomorrow's segment of a mailbag Friday. But who are the next guys off the 40 man roster? And I've got two guys here and also want to give a shout out to my good buddy, uh Preston Farr, who I believe had the same two guys that I think are going to be next off the 40 man roster. And you know what, I might actually throw in a third and a fourth option here, because I do think the Royals are going to clear up some spaces and make sure that they're going to be able to add through free agency, add through the Rule 5 draft, add through trade, just to give them some flexibility. Because a lot of these guys that I at least see, clearing waivers, just don't feel like they've got a fit on the 26-man roster. So number one, for me, is pretty easy. And it's Josh Taylor, who was acquired in the Adelbert mondesi trade with Boston this past season. He was somebody I thought was going to be a lot better than what he advertised in 2023. I thought his sinker was going to play well. He had a really good year in Boston. I think going back to 2021, 2020 was not good in 2022 and was hurt the majority of that year. I thought it was a good bounce back candidate for the bullpen, but missing the entire year, basically not having great numbers. It just feels like a guy that you could also be safe with. DFAing, removing from the 40-man roster non-tendering if you will and him clearing waivers. like he is at the top of the list to me that it just makes a lot of sense if you're moving on from Josh Stalmont who had a lot of injury concerns had bad numbers last year Josh Taylor makes a lot of sense as well the second guy on my list it's gonna hurt to say this but I'm gonna go with Jackson Kowar Jackson Kowar is another guy in the minor leagues in the major leagues last two years has put up not just bad numbers, really bad numbers. And his age is also starting to come into question. He's not old by any means, but he's not a prospect anymore. And his stuff, though at times it looks really sharp, it doesn't really play consistently at the big league level. And I think the Royals might be done uh, with, the, with the idea of making Jackson Core anything. Because here's why. I think some of these spots are going to be cleared up more so bullpen guys because they want to replace They're bullpen guys with much more consistent, much more stable relief arms. That's what I think, which is why Jackson Coar and Josh Taylor feel like the two top guys on the list here. Maybe the Royals still see something in there. He was in the big league bullpen in September and I believe in in mid to late August. Had a pretty good stretch for a while, but when it goes wrong, it really goes wrong for Jackson Coar, And you simply just can't have that in a major league bullpen. The third guy, I would love to see them try and move. But it's also very telling to me that he hasn't been moved yet. And when you look at something like a corner outfield bat, a lot has to factor into that player for them to be deemed valuable. And I think in the past, if you had a corner outfield bat that was really good offensively but couldn't do anything else, was a liability in every other aspect – That still had value. But since we've entered this age of analytics and advanced metrics and baseball savant and fan graphs have taken over, it shows just how valuable a player is if they can't do two really important things out there. And I think we all know who I'm going to be talking about. It's Edward Olivares. I thought there would be some market for him, but the reality is, He's such a liability defensively and such a liability on the base paths, and not going to make up for it offensively for him to be worth much in return. And I think the Royals are trying to move him. I think they're trying to explore a lot of outlets, but they're also not just going to trade him to trade him. Now, maybe they would, because if the plan is always the non-tender, hey, take what you can get. If you can get a prospect or two, not saying that would be possible, you jump all over that. I just don't think there's a lot of teams out there that view his offensive numbers maybe as high as the Royals do or ever did. I mean, there are things to like about him. By his WRC+, he's above average at the plate. He's got some pop. He hits the ball hard. He's not really a a walk guy. He's not an extra base guy. He's just a unique offensive player. And it's also why I compare somebody like a Nicky Lopez. Nikki Lopez only got Taylor Hearn in return, and that wasn't a great return for the Royals, and I think they knew that. But Nikki was also elite defensively, and I thought decent on the base path. He wasn't great offensively, but even having two of the three can get you something in return. Somebody will want that on their team. For Olivares, I remember the first team I threw out was like the Giants. The Giants could use a bench platoon bat, a corner outfield guy, and then I thought to myself a little bit more. If Edward Lavar struggled defending at Kaufman Stadium, what the hell would he look like at Oracle Park? A weird right field, a very deep left field, super deep left center and right center. I mean, the, the the alleys at Oracle Park are impossible to cover, especially if you're below average defensively. And then on the base path, I mean, he can swipe a couple bags. He he can move for his size. He's not the smartest base runner. And that's going to be another thing that brings it down his trade value, which in the end it might just be a case where the Royals DFA him. They non tender him because there's going to be guys that can take that spot. Nick Lofton, though he's on the 40 man roster, might be a guy that needs a spot on the 26 man roster come opening day. I still hope there's somebody out there that would find the value offensively to give the Royals an arm or two. But like right now, Kyle Isbell has far more trade value than, than Edward Alvarez, And Kyle Isbell's main metric, his top thing, is defense. He can run a little bit. He's not an elite base stealer, but Kyle Isbell could get you something in return. Drew Waters could get you something in return. Tyron Blanco could get you something in return because of his elite speed and pretty good defense. Olivares, you got to hit a lot better, and he's not a bad hitter. you got to be a lot better if you're going to be that much of a liability in the field, which, unfortunately, he just is. We'll see what happens, but those really are my next three guys to go on the 40-man roster, believe next week, and was when the Royals had to make more moves on that. I want to say it's next Friday. so We're getting closer and closer to the winter meetings and more and more moves to be made for the Kansas City Royals. Well, that is going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, and you can always follow me on Twitter at underscore 15 That's at j-h-n-y-j-underscore-one-five. And before we go, just one more shout-out to something we're very proud of in the Locked On Podcast Network. And that's our 24-7 streaming channel and Locked On Sports Today. It is here for you, 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts on Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Tomorrow, we're going to go into our Mailbag Friday segment, so continue to send me some questions, and I'll be sure to answer them tomorrow on this edition of Locked On Royals.